0: Hi, my name's India. This is Be More Orca, Buck the Menopause. Now, I'm not a medic, or an expert, or a celebrity. I'm just going through it myself. I was totally blindsided by my symptoms. I knew nothing about this stage of my life. And then I discovered neither did any of my friends. So I'm on a mission to find out everything I can, explore every avenue to help us manage our symptoms and get our lives back on track. It's easy to feel invisible as a woman at this stage of our lives. We don't see ourselves in our books or on our screens, but I'd like you to meet Joe Heap, She's a woman wanting to change all that. She's fascinated by the stories of women over 50 and determined to show what life is really like for us. Joe, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. You're welcome. Nice to be here. You, for me, you encapsulate what Be More Orca is all about. You're smiling, but you do because you were a makeup artist for over 20 years, you said. And then in your 50s, you decided to change tack and become a writer. I'd love to hear what was going on and why that sudden change of life happened for you.
1: So before I decided I wanted to be a writer, I've always loved food. My kitchen is like a place where people come and eat and just socialise, feed my friends, feed my family. I decided to open up a deli cafe and I was just always passionate about food. So I just thought, well, I'm going to open up a cafe that has a deli attached to it and a shop. I decided it one day in bed. Luckily, I've got a husband who actually can sort of help me do these things. And within seven months, we'd had this cafe, Jojo's Deli Kitchen, it was called.
0: Within seven months, you went from the idea?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Loved it. Really hard work, and I was still a makeup artist at the time as well.
0: So how are you juggling the two then? Because I always think
1: of Delhi cafes as like the most hard work. Yeah, well, it's seven days because of freelance work. It made it easier, especially with the shows that I was doing. I knew what was coming. I was managing the shows. And I was managing the deli, so I could sort of manage my life in between the two. In a sense, it it was easier because I could say, look, I'm not going to be here at that time. So it was actually, I had the best of both worlds, really. And you were juggling quite a lot then.
0: In your late 40s, was this?
1: Yeah, and my daughter at the time was probably seven or eight, my youngest. Wow. Yeah, I've got a great husband and I've got older siblings as well. So they sort of took on boards and stuff. Yeah. I was lucky, I could say, I was lucky to sort of do that dream. I think we ran it for about two years, maybe. And what prompted you to... To give it up. The place that it was in, the council weren't being very supportive of small businesses, and they started to let big coffee chains come into the high street. You know, I don't really want to be not seeing my family and having a battle with counsel. And we sort of left the business, not in any debt, which was great. We sold a lot of the equipment. And it was almost like, well, I, I did that. I've done it now. I think my husband was thinking, oh, do she want to do now? <laughs> and that's when I, I started to think about writing. I had at the time, and I was taking courses Evening courses. And I've always, I've always loved television but not on the screen side, on the other side of it. I've always loved to watch people be involved in series, like, you know, it almost becomes your other family. You know, like, oh, I'd like my family to be just like that, actually. <laughs> Let me just step into their world for a bit. And I've always been interested in people as well. I've always loved stories and conversations. That was the nice thing about the deli, is you could just stand there and have conversations with people that you would probably never meet and the same with the makeup, people coming into your chair and then just sort of offloading everything. It was never a burden. It was just almost, it just almost fed. And then one day I just thought, I just want to write stuff. I just want to tell stories. I've got so many funny stories in my head. I had a relationship before my, because this is my second marriage and it wasn't great. It wasn't a great relationship at all. So I think I started off by wanting to tell that story Yeah. of what I went through and, you know, all the pain and stuff for me it was it was unburdening my my thoughts of all the great the not so good stuff that went on in my life and Cathartic. yeah but i kept on finding it comedy as well cuz i've been through it when you hear stories of women that have gone through sort of really sort of painful stuff with a partner you don't want to be a victim no and you don't want to watch these painful things on tv as well cuz it just brings evokes the nasty memory so I always found the comedy in what had happened to me. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to write comedy. I want to write. I want to make the normal or the abnormal seem funny. Well, I think that's what
0: women do particularly well. And that's what I've discovered on this podcast. When women are talking about what can be really dark times for them, coping with menopausal symptoms, they can be the funniest things. And we find the humour. Yeah, well, you've got to, haven't you? Yeah. And so where were you? Were you at the deli when you think that
1: menopause started for you? Did it creep up or was it a... It's funny because it's again another thing with women is we sort of just sort of, you know, we're cycling along and the hump comes, we just go over it. And then when we look back at the road that we've just cycled down, it's like, oh my God, look how many humps there were. And I think I was going through menopause when I decided to do the cafe. So you
0: think something was shifting inside you,
1: yeah. I've always ate well. I used to do Pilates. So I was quite in tune with myself. And I I think I kept myself quite healthy. So the symptoms weren't as acute as they could have been.
0: That is what all the research says now, isn't it? The idea that actually the healthier you are, the less acute your symptoms
1: will be. And also I think, you know, through my pregnancies, when people talk about cravings, it's what your body lacks. That's the way I see it. So if I wanted to eat... 60 jacket potatoes. It's because I was obviously lacking some sort of carb. And I think I just fed my symptoms. The only thing that I noticed were the hot flushes. I can remember sitting on the sofa and feeling, oh but I almost sort of ran with that. I thought, ooh, this is a bit, you know, roller coastery. It wasn't like, oh my God. I... I was lucky enough, I suppose, not to have too many surrounded by people that I didn't know. Yeah. Like in an office environment. Mine were more like at home. And it was almost like, whoa, well, here they come again. Whoop way it was like a ride for me the sweating at night was the worst because then you have to get up and get out of bed it was literally like I was swamp monster and that was oh my god I can't believe that I've soaked all my pyjamas. And were you having to get your lovely, long-suffering husband out of bed as well? He was brilliant. He was fantastic. So he'd go off and get the towel for me to lie back down. And I'd just sit there, take the T-shirt off, and it goes slap on the floor. And then I'd be sort of put back into something dry and then have to deal with the wet patch in the morning that a towel was upon. It's It's like, my God, how can I sweat so much? that I'm producing so much moisture in my clothing that it slaps on the floor. Within seconds as well,
0: is it? Yeah. Literally 30 seconds and then you are like you've been under a shower.
1: It's like a monsoon in the bed. It was just like, wow. And how often was this going on for you? It was mostly every night. Once a night? Were you having to do this three or four times a night? No, luckily I'd only do it once a night. I'd probably wake up say, at three o'clock in the morning and have to sort of de-slap off the clothes and then put them dry ones on but it's almost that thing that you know I can't keep up with the amount of t-shirts I bloody well need yeah the washing yeah it's like there's not enough t-shirts so I started to sort of wear his t-shirts and my skin became really sensitive And it's funny because I wear my pyjamas inside out because I can't have seams touching my skin.
0: And was that always or was that something from... That
1: was when I got pregnant, but then it came more apparent again when I went through menopause. Oh, so a hormonal thing then? Totally hormonal, yeah. So it's funny, I've got two older daughters. My older daughter had left home... So she didn't notice all this. And then when she stayed at my house, it's become a habit now where I wear my pyjamas inside out. She said, why are you wearing your pyjamas inside out? And my other daughter said, she's always done that. It's so embarrassing when my friends come around to stay. She's walking around with inside out pyjamas. She doesn't even get the ones without the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but that, 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 I think, was the most obvious a symptom that I had. And you said also brain fog. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you've got so much going on that you don't really think you're having brain fog because it's hard to recognise it because you've always got so many things you're having to remember. I think other people noticed it more than I did. In what way? Well, my daughter said, I've told you that before. What's wrong with you? For a while, I did get really down about it. Then I had to sort of do that. I'm going through menopause. Just understand it. And just if you have to repeat yourself, then repeat yourself. You know, it's no skin off your nose. But they did think I was going a little bit cedar at one point.
0: (laughs) So that's good, though. So you talked to them about it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: You were open about what you were going through. Yeah. You've got all daughters.
1: I've got three daughters and one son. He's the oldest. My eldest daughter is now 30. And then I've got another one who's 22 and then another one who's 12. And it was funny because I think with the writing, I thought there's nothing. There's always the odd joke in in programmes about oh, she's sweating or she's moody. And that's why I wanted to write about proper people, female-led, strong characters that go through menopause. And it's not just a brush-off. It's not just a little taster. Oh, let's just put that in there. Oh, she's going through menopause. Actually, there's a whole world that you have to, you know, reinvent yourself or deal with things.
0: And it encompasses every aspect of your life as well. And it's it's all pervading, isn't it? I certainly know that my only view of menopause was from some sort of 1970s sitcom probably, where it was like, oh yeah, your mum goes a bit crazy, she throws things and she has the odd hot flush and that, that's it.
1: And also when you think about those um, sitcoms, the man and wife had separate beds. And I thought, I wonder why they've got separate beds? Because she probably sweated... So he didn't want to deal with it.
0: I'd never put two two together on that. Yeah, you're right. You get to a stage of separate beds. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And that's why they were in these sitcoms, because then that's how they dealt with it. And you were saying that
0: you had a loss of confidence. Now, that doesn't sound very in keeping with the amount of changes you were doing in your life, because it's a confident person to suddenly go, actually, do you know what, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and do something completely different. I'll give my husband
1: another sort of pat on the back because I think I was the knee jerk reaction. I'm going to do this. And then he was, okay. let's do it. It was almost like I'd suggested it and then he'd go on, we're gonna do you're gonna do this, you're gonna do i uh, okay. He's a doer then. He's a very much a doer. And even moving to where we are now. Yeah, so you moved as well. You up sticks two hundred miles, did you say? Yeah, three and a half years ago. And we'd done our house up. We was living in Buckhurst Hill at the time, beautiful house. He'd just built me this big barn at the back for me to writing so I was away from the house. Beautiful, exquisite it was. And the minute I almost shut the door to the barn, I said to him, I want to move. Let's move. I felt that I was always having to try to reinvent myself. And I think it's a case of running away. Yeah. I was running away from what I was going through. Especially when you change career, it's almost like you're thinking everyone knows me. So I need to get away from and start anew.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah. To be
1: this new person, I need
0: to be somewhere fresh.
1: For me, it was almost like a female midlife crisis. Rather have, a, have the levers and the motorbike, I decided to move 200 miles away from where I know and start a new life by the sea.
0: But you see, I love that because I don't think we should think of it as a crisis because crisis has quite a negative idea and you think of men getting a Porsche and like, you know, a younger model. But I love the idea of suddenly realising that actually there's a whole heap of life ahead of me that doesn't have to be dictated by what's gone before. I can now choose... To do what I want
1: to do with this next stage, I see menopause as taking a train. So you get on this train, and then you've got all these stops on the way, and it sometimes is a bit bumpy, and it's sometimes, but you get to a destination. So the whole train journey is the sweats and the feeling anxious, and the, Once you get you've got to the, the menopause, not the perimenopause. The perimenopause is the journey. The menopause is where you end up. But once you get to the menopause, that's when you can start again. That's when you can see. So I've always thought the whole perimenopause thing for me, I've always known that I'm going to get to it and I'm going to feel so much better. When I started dealing with my menopause, when I started actually putting a name to it, sadly, it wasn't because of the hot flushes. It wasn't because I was feeling anxious. When I started going to get treatment, it's because I couldn't lose weight. And I thought I'm exercising, I'm dieting. Why am I not losing weight? This is re- I could do these diets in my 30s, and I'd lose so much weight so quickly. Why is it so hard? Why have I got this mid sausage? What's going on? Why do I feel so tired? And that doesn't help you
0: exercise, does it? If you're feeling down and lethargic, then it's a downward spiral.
1: Yeah, and someone said to me, a friend of hers who had gone through the menopause really badly had gone to a clinic called the London Hormone Clinic. So I thought, oh, let me try. Hopefully she, they're going to help me sort of get my hormones sorted so, so I, can, I can lose some weight and I can feel less tired. And once I started looking into menopause, I just thought, there's so much that they don't tell you. There's so much where they sort of put you into a sort of postage stamp, like one size fits all. And talking to these women, it was so lovely the way, you know, you're unique. You will not have menopause like anybody else has menopause. You all have it differently. And all we're doing is making that journey. Rather than it being like that, we're just making it a nice, flowy journey. Perimonopause can be like that as opposed to, ah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's just mitigating
0: your symptoms. And so you went and you've got HRT. Yes, I did. What HRT
1: do you do? I take progesterone and estrogen. Yeah. In what form? So I take tablets. Combined for both? No, just one on one. And I take the estrogen, like I take a small dose. And I take progesterone, I take two doses of that. Right. I'm kind of been written off, but I've said to them, you know, I'll come back because I, I don't want to be on it forever. And if I've got to the point where I am menopausal now that I'm not ever going to have a period and I'm over the perimenopause. I take myself off of it.
0: Well, I think that's the perceived wisdom, isn't it? As you get to a sort of more even keel, as you say, we're both doing hand gestures, which is obviously brilliant for the podcast, isn't it? You'd think I'd learn. You'd think I'd learn. I'm doing hand gestures too. <laughs> Use your words, as I say to my five year old. But yeah, if you can get your symptoms on a more even keel, then you don't have to keep on it unless it makes you feel
1: good. Exactly. And I said to her, how long? She said, as long as you want. Yeah. They did put me on testosterone, but that wasn't good for me because I. I just became really sort of angry. <laughs> it made me very angry.
0: I finally got a, a telephone consultation to be put onto testosterone because my brain, my brain capacity is just, but it's interesting because I'm quite an angry person as well. So maybe I'll just become really
1: aggressive. I think because I was exercising, I didn't need it as much. I was getting tired and they put me on it. So I stopped doing that because it was making me like all the time. And I just thought, no, I don't need this. I'm angry enough. I don't need to add to that. (laughs) And so you were saying you felt your symptoms came back. Was that recently? Yeah. So when we had lockdown or should I call it gin down? Because it was just like gin for two years so much gin. I started on the gin in lockdown because I realised it was less embarrassing for
0: the recycling because it was one big bottle rather than constant wine bottles.
1: (laughs) I know it's like you creep out in the middle of the night you hear the clanks of everybody's bottles going into the bucket. (laughs) I don't want to be controversial because I know that people out there who've had the jab and stuff I had the jab the first jab I had done I reacted. Really badly to it And it was funny Because it was a jab That they said That they didn't want To give young girls And this is what I've sort of turned to give. So there was a whole thing Where don't give girls Of a certain age They were also on Birth control Now what is a birth control? So I ended up having a really bad reaction to the first one. And I just thought, why aren't they telling women that are on hormone replacement therapy that they shouldn't also be having it? It's not just young women under the age of 35. It's more so us in our 50s who are taking hormones. So I had a horrible reaction and the doctor said, you can't have that one. Then had the next one, which was absolutely fine. Had my booster. Fine. And then I managed to get through the whole of lockdown without getting COVID. Everyone was getting it around me. Came out of lockdown. A few months later, got COVID. I got it. Fine. I didn't want that ill. Just in bed, sort of just indulging. After that, I got panic attacks. I got really down, really down, really sort of insecure. And I just thought, well, what? why am I going through this? Why? And all over again, It's. I think with women, we forget that we go through all this stuff. Yeah, and we're going through menopause, but we never put it down to menopause. I know we put it down to oh, we're we're just being sensitive or we're just being depressed or you know we don't ever actually give ourselves that justice of a label to say this is why this is happening to me. Yeah, so I spent three months just crying, just bursting into tears, and I think my husband just thought, oh my god, what what, what can I do? What, what what's wrong? <laughs> I was going to these therapy sessions and trying to find my inner soul and. And it was because my hormone imbalance had been rocked by the COVID. And i just reacted really badly to it. So all the symptoms that I wrote about and I learnt about that I didn't get, you know, I just got sweat and a bit of fog. I it's all it was almost like they came twofold. And I went back to the hormone clinic and they balanced out my hormones again. So did they say, Yeah, everything's got out of whack again?
0: Yeah. Now that's really interesting, isn't it? And so it was the mental ones that were troubling you the second time around rather than the vasa I've now learned this phrase vasomotor, motor which is all the the physical ones
1: yeah it wasn't the physical ones I just felt the panic attack. Never had panic attacks in my life like that. And where were you? I, I would just be just walking and I'd be like, I, I, I don't want to be here. Or I'd be in a room full of people and I'd just think, can they see me? Can they see how I'm feeling? You almost feel like you're wearing your insecurity on a badge on your chest saying, I feel vulnerable and everybody can see it so you can poke me. And it was all, and I'm crying. You know, my daughter's been sort of mardy with me and I'd go, ah! I just like crying. It's like, oh my God, they just, oh, this strong woman that they knew had just turned into this pathetic. Couldn't write, couldn't do any writing. Everything just stopped. I just felt like an imposter, not just an imposter with being a writer, but an imposter with. Just who I was
0: Wow
1: I thought no one liked me And it was really quite scary Because it was almost I'd almost stepped outside myself And I was seeing this person That I didn't I could not recognise at all Wow And no matter how many people Kept on saying to me You're fine You weren't fine though
0: That's the thing isn't it If people can say to you You're fine And you're like Well no
1: I'm not No I'm not (laughs) I'm really crumbling But they also expect you to be And I think with women That go through the menopause That's the whole thing One minute you're this person and the next minute you're not and you're trying to justify. I can imagine it only in an office environment where they're trying to justify, I can't do this today. I can't stand up in front of people because I feel like this. But you've always done it for the last 10 years. Why can't you do it today? So you're trying to explain but you can't explain. It's horrible. And in a home environment, I think
0: women are, it's obviously a generalisation, but I think women are the rocks of their family. Most definitely. And you realise that actually, if you're out of kilter, then it just has a sort of ripple effect. As you say, your daughters are going, what's going on? Where's my strong, independent mum gone? And they're getting angry because you're not there for them. And presumably a bit scared as well, you know? Yeah, you probably, yeah. Think, hang on, what's what's going on? This isn't the mum I know, yeah. And that's an added pressure on women, though, isn't it? To always be, you can't show that actually you're crumbling.
1: Because you need to be the rock. And you cannot control it. And I kept on saying to them, can you imagine having your drink spiked? That's what it feels like when your hormones are pissing about because you have no control. It's like someone's drugged you and this is how you're going to be, whether it's sweating, tired, brain fog, insecure. I mean, the millions of things, itchy skin. You can't stop it. You can get it under a level but this is what, initially, it just, it hits you like a, a train. At least you're talking to your daughters, though. I think it's amazing. My daughters say to me now, because my 22-year-old, she works in a law firm and she's got women that are older than her. And she says, yes, she's going through menopause, menopause woman. She really likes it because I understand. They know, they know what happens when you go through menopause. I've always been quite open with them about it. And, and that's why, I suppose, with the writing, I didn't want to just do, I mean... Sex in the city, for example. I was really looking forward to that all coming back. There were all these sort of silverhead beauties and just embracing age. I only done a little bit on menopause. One of them sort of bled and it was like, is that, is that it? Come on, let's actually talk about how, it's, how it really affects women. Let's make it normal. And it just is such, such a tiny, tiny little amount that we get to see. And it's normally, "Ah, oh, she's she's, yeah, oh, she's got brain fog. And then we sort of move on to something else. Yeah. My writing is a group of females in their 50s. Some of them have gone through menopause. Some of them are, uh, are going through menopause. We still have a story in the in sense that it's not just about menopause, but I want to show women you know, who are going through it that is absolutely the point, isn't it? Because the menopause,
0: as you say, is this background thing. Women carry on with their jobs and they carry on with their lives, but it is there and it's always there. It affects every single
1: aspect of your life in every single way. It becomes part of you. And like you say, we just deal with it. And even when I started writing about the menopause, well, you can't just write about the menopause. can you? I suppose what I want to do is I want to write about strong female-led women in their 50s. Exactly. They might be going for it. We might not even touch on it on one episode. But I want to write about women in their 50s because it's, to me, I mean, I'm mixed race as well. So, And this is why I started writing in the sense that I can't relate to anyone. Yeah, you don't see yourself. No. You know, sometimes I wear pajama bottoms to walk the dog, you know? (laughs) Inside out. Yeah, with a big coat. I haven't brushed my teeth and that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see women who aren't stick-thinned, who aren't glamorous. And they can be and they can't be. You know, it's more so, I suppose, I want to write about women of a certain age.
0: In this part of their
1: lives. Yeah, exactly that. And that we are strong.
0: Yeah, and strong to cope with all of this as well and keep our head above water. Yeah, yeah. And um, how quickly after you went and you know, when all the... The mental sort of symptoms hit you. You sounded like you were in a really dark place. Mm, that was horrible. And then you went back to the hormone clinic. How quickly did the change
1: of your hormone therapy? Probably within about three weeks. It wasn't that long. And what did they do? They upped your yeah. So because I was getting panic attacks that I couldn't go into London. And then what I have to do is I have to go and have a blood test, and then I have to book another appointment to go back into London to see the doctor. And you couldn't get yourself to the appointments. So I had then I had to sort of I. Had, went back to my doctors and I said could you do the blood tests so she sent me a list of the tests she went get them to do these blood tests and it wasn't a thing about money because I paid for my blood tests privately when I went to the London Hormone Clinic my doctor said to me no we're not prepared to do that and I said but why I said I'm never ill I don't I, I don't rent the NHS come on I just need these blood tests done because I'm having panic attacks. And I don't want to go into London. And I wrote this big letter to them and they were really good. They ended up saying to me, look, we don't normally do this. I thought they were just going to say to me only this one time. But he said, from this point onwards, if you need blood tests done and you don't want to travel into London, I will now because my panic attack, I felt okay to. But at that point, I was caught between a rock and a hard place. I couldn't go into London, so I had to do it here. And they didn't do all of the tests, but from what they got, I saw my doctor at the London Hormone Clinic and started the new medication, the new dosage, and within... Probably two weeks. I felt great. Felt back to normal. Obviously, it is a personal choice whether women want to take HRT
0: or not. But everyone I know says actually it, it's life changing, and it allows you to get yourself back to an even keel. You know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a magic
1: bullet. It's not going to cure all of your. No, it isn't. It, it's just as I said before. It's that you can take a train journey that's got loads of bumps on it and reach the end. Or you can take a train journey where you can have your feet up and you can just sort of glide into it. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't we know more about it? I think the problem with HRT is there's such a negative on it. But that's when it was like one size fits all. And also
0: a completely different type of HRT. It was the pregnant mare's urine and they don't use that anymore. It's all all made out of yams now. And so with your writing mm-hmm. is this as cathartic the menopausal writing as when you were saying you were writing about your previous relationship?
1: Yeah. For me, I suppose the writing it's just given my age group a voice. Yeah. I want us to be as amazing and as wonderful and as, as recognised as everybody else. And I just think they're just really interesting women over 40 are just so fucking interesting well we've put up with more we've got more to say life experience be
0: more orcas you see they go on to be leaders of their communities and that's the point because they realize that they've got so much experience and so much to
1: give when i moved down here you know i had my friends i had my work friends i was never a school-run mummy friend because i'd had my children my elder children and then i would remarried so when i got to my younger one i I was like the oldest mum in town because I had my last one to 42 so I was coming up to my 50s and so the women I didn't really relate to them because they were a lot younger than me which is fair enough they probably didn't relate to me so when I moved down here we got a dog in lockdown he's sitting on my desk now sleep all curled up and I met a load of doggy mummies that we call them but they're all women of my age and they're so interesting you know they're just such funny interesting characters so, why wouldn't I want to write about them? You said to me earlier
0: that actually it was in a Pilates class that you suddenly started to join the dots because women were talking about the menopause and you went, oh my God, they're talking about me.
1: Yeah, exactly that. It's funny. At the school gates, I always felt the eldest. In the Pilates classes, I always felt the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> at the time that I was going in the day, there were a lot of older women going. And that's when the conversation started about. And that was like the early stages. And it's funny, the Pilates teacher that I used to go to, her old um, thing now is menopause. She's really got into that. And it's all about menopause. But like I said she at first, it was almost like, I can't lose any weight. Oh, right. If they give me these pills and they balance my hormones, that will help me lose weight. And then I started talking to people about it. And the woman that directed me to London Hormone, she said her friend was in a terrible state. She couldn't even leave the house. And then she went there and within three or four weeks, she was a totally different person. She said, I saw her and she's just totally different. It is that thing of we shouldn't just consider it our lot to suffer.
0: I think women are so used to suffering, like childbirth is painful, periods are painful. You know, we just sort of assume that, oh, well, this is another thing we've got to suffer through.
1: And actually, you don't have to. No, not at all. And also what I did as well, when I started writing about it, I was interested in not just like you say when you think of menopause you think of a a certain era where they're just sweating i also thought it was almost like um you know a twin set and pearls crew you never talked to about what about asian women what about what about two gay women living together both of them going through menopause can you imagine so it was almost like oh my god yeah and i started to think about these things about how do they deal with it what about someone who is not Got the capability of actually going and finding out this information. She's just living in a, a flat on her own and she's not got anyone to sort of talk to her about.
0: No, I do know that the narrative is very white middle class. And I actually, I was reading something the other day about the fact that black people go through it earlier and it lasts longer. And it, it is unspoken of
1: and culturally but culturally pakistani women it's almost like it's not talked about you don't say you would never say that you're going through menopause and it's all these different cultures that go for it differently i want to portray them as well one of my characters she was gay and it was like, wow, how was how that for you? Especially if you've got a partner who's the same age going for it at the same time. You know, the bed would have been some mad monsoon sort of moment. Or you're all angry at different times of the day or you're forgetting things. It's just like so much comedy can be written into that.
0: Yeah, and it needs to be spoken about as well, doesn't it? I mean, it needs to be spoken about for all women. Definitely, definitely. And are you finding that people are open to, have you
1: tried to pitch your writing yet? I haven't really pitched it yet. It was funny when I was doing one of my writer's courses and we had to write some episodes and a pilot and then we got actors in to read them. And I can remember going around with our ideas and there were a lot of young people there. And when I sort of said my ideas, they just sort of didn't get it. And I just thought, yeah, you just don't get it, do you? I'm, I think with women over 50 and writing at the moment, we're getting more of a voice. I think people are more interested in hearing what we've got to say. So I'm in the process now of writing it, and I've set out a whole year to do it and then hopefully pitch it. Where I pitch it, I don't know. I think I have to find another strong female-led company. I'm working on, at the moment, it's more in a sense of strong female-led Characters, but they're older women. So I'm going in for the older women, and then I'll be slipping the menopause in for sure.
0: But that is the thing, because as you say, we're all interesting and rounded human beings, and the menopause is just one aspect. I really hope that you can get it in front of someone that actually realizes, because we do need that on telly so desperately.
1: No, definitely, definitely. I mean, if you think about Happy Valley now and the characters that are in there, these brilliant, strong women but vulnerable as well you know it's okay to be but actually you know we do take on a lot as women, I think. So it'd be nice to actually get something out there. And also the whole sort of mixing bowl of not just, like you say, sort of middle class white women. And
0: we are such a diverse country and that needs to be reflected in in the drama
1: that we see. No, definitely. Most definitely.
0: Joe, thank you so much for talking to me. You've been amazing and I wish you all the luck with your writing. It sounds fabulous. No, I'm looking forward to um, listening
1: to all the podcasts now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on a similar changing tack journey. No, it's brilliant. That's fab. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Since recording this with Joe, I have gone on testosterone and I can report back that it's made no difference to my anger levels, but it has improved my energy and my ability to string a sentence together. I'll be discussing testosterone fully in future episodes. Next time, I'm talking to my second inspirational orca, Carol Decker, lead singer of Tapao, about her lifelong struggle with her hormones, accidentally discovering she had osteoporosis, and the joys of rediscovering her sex life. If you want to join in, head to bemoreorcopod.co.uk. You'll find our pod forum full of women just like you finding the funny in what we're all going through and sharing stories so we never have to feel like we're going it alone again and if you have a question about anything you've heard or a hot topic you'd like to hear covered on the pod then email me on be at gmail.com or follow me at b.more.orca